Hilchus Geneva, the laws of stealing, or not stealing rather, Perak test, final Perak, Allah Aleph. The first half of this Perak, Ram discusses the prohibition of kidnapping. A person who steals another human being or kidnaps a human being, or if a say transgresses a negative mitzvah, and it says, don't steal. This Pasuk, which is mentioned in the Ten Commandments, actually refers to kidnapping, stealing people, that is, rather than stealing objects. The Pasuk for stealing items or money is different Pasuk. If somebody sells a, another human being, another person, say he transgresses a negative commandment. Selling another person is a part of is a per of selling another Jew as a slave is sold with that, 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 that type of degradation. Even when you sell a Jew as an Evid Ivri, there's a prohibition to sell them in a public manner on the slave market, on the slave block. It has to be done with dignity. Um, that's a person who is supposed to be sold as a slave. A person who is not supposed to be sold as a slave and you sell him, no matter how dignified it is, you're selling him, you're not supposed to, that is prohibited. They like These two lav, I mean, there's no chiv of lashes. Because it's a lav that can involve uh, execution. Shemer says, If a person does transgress both of these mitzvahs, namely he kidnaps someone and then he sells him, as we'll see, um, there the, could the be execution, any mitzvah, any avera rather, which theoretically can have execution, even in the event that he's not actually executed, the person is not chayef for malchus. He's either executed or he's off the hook. When we what type of execution does such a person get? He gets the execution of strangulation. The ganev, the kidnapper, is not chayef misa, Unless he steals a Jewish person specifically. Now that's still a guy either, but there's no chiyuv misa for that. After kidnapping the Jewish person, you also have to bring him out of his domain into your domain. Then you have to use him for your own benefit. Then you have to sell him to somebody else. You kidnap him, take him out of his domain into your domain, use him, and the fourth thing is then sell him. It says, use him and you sell him. Even if you used him a small amount, less than a Shavu Pruta, worth of labor, which is not normally considered significant, you leaned on him, or you supported yourself by leaning on him, even if he's sleeping, he doesn't know you did it, that's considered using, and that qualifies for the third criteria of the four criterias, which create Chiv Misa, Gimel. If he kidnaps him, uses him, and then sells him, however, he did not meet the third criteria of, excuse me, the second criteria of taking him to Amrishus. In other words, the, the person, the Haganov, the, kid, the, the kidnapping victim, is still in his own domain. The Ganov did not bring him to his Rishus. Potter is Potter because the kidnapping victim has not been taken out of his domain. So, you know, in his own house, he breaks into his house, ties the guy up, and sells him to somebody else. But the guy is still in his own house. So he's not, the, kind of, the kidnapper is not Chayv Misa. He kidnaps him, takes him out of his domain, and uses him, but he didn't sell him. Or he sells him before he uses him. Or even if he does all four things, kidnaps him, and... Um, Brings him into his domain of the kidnapper, uses him and sells him. Except he, except he sells him 
to somebody who's his own relative, he says him to his father or his brother. Sounds like it must be an immediate relative. It says, a person steals a soul, a life, from his brethren. He steals a Jew, who is Echov. But it also means, he steals him away from his brethren. So, Pashim Shat in the Pasuk is from among his brethren, a fellow Jew. But it also means, from away from his brethren, by selling him, you take him away from his family. Here, you're selling him to his family, so it doesn't meet the fourth criteria. If he steals him, if he kidnaps him when he's sleeping, right, the guy's sleeping on, a, on, on an airplane, and someone hijacks the plane and takes the people somewhere else, and they're still sleeping. He uses him, the guy is still sleeping. He sells him, he's still sleeping. He's a putter, all these cases is putter, because it's not considered, like, he doesn't meet, does not meet the criteria. Dalit. The person kidnaps a woman who's pregnant, and he, she, he only sells the fetus. He sells someone else, the rights to the fetus, but not the woman herself. He tells the buyer, the woman is mine, but the uh, fetus is yours. You, the buyer, only gets the, get the baby. That's not considered selling. Hey, a person steals, kidnaps his own son or his younger brother. A caretaker appointed by the Bezdin that steals orphans that are lying on the caretaker. A person who uh, steals someone who is maybe not a family member, but 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 uh, someone who relies on him, who, who, who he feeds. A teacher who kidnaps his students, even though he kidnaps him, it takes him out of you know it takes him out of the, the domain, so to speak, and sells him potters. He's potters. It says the person, the kidnapper, the the person who he kidnapped is found in the kidnapper's hand. This excludes these cases where the person's kidnapped is already by the kidnapper. So one of the criteria of being a kidnapper is you have no jurisdiction over the victim, then you go kidnap him. If you already have some kind of jurisdiction, then the kidnapping is already just uh, taking your jurisdiction and abusing it, but it's not like a new thing, and therefore, because the cost of it does not apply. Of course, it's not appropriate to do, <laughs> but it's not a uh, the law per se. Or at least not chiv misa. The person, whether a person kidnaps an adult, he kidnaps a child. If he kidnaps a one-day-old baby, provided the baby was born full term, so we can assume how he will survive. Whether it's male or female. Whether the kidnapper was male or female. In all these cases, the kidnapper is It says, person who still kidnaps someone, no matter what. No matter who the kidnapper is, or no matter who the victim is, rather. The kidnapper could be male or female, just because that applies to most mitzvahs, I say. Um, in the case of a baby who was born prematurely, and, and, and in times of the Gemara and the Rambam, the halachic assumption was the baby wouldn't survive, so then in that case, all the halachas of the terror don't really apply to such a, such a child. But today, with medical science, of course, babies do survive in, this, in, in these situations, so... With halacha change is a good question. All right. When the person kidnaps a yid or a convert or a slave who was freed, which is like a con- like a convert, it says nefesh me'achav a person from his brethren. A ger is a yid as far as terimitzvus are concerned. In other words, these are brethren for all practical purposes. If a person however steals an evet kanani who's not yet freed. A person who's owned by by multiple partners, 
one or more freedom, but 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 some did not free him. So he's partially Eved, partially not an Eved. Potter, he's Potter, because he's not a full-fledged free person. Design. The rest of the period, the Amam discusses the laws of self-defense. Habab Machteras, when a person tunnels into a house, day or night, that person has no blood, meaning there's no Isser of killing that person, killing that robber. Rather, if the person, the homeowner, or anybody else who catches him kills him on the spot, they are putter. Everybody, whether it's the homeowner or somebody else, is allowed to kill this person. Or weekday, even though Bezdin does not execute, execute on Shabbos, this is not Bezdin doing it. Any, with any measure, any way he, way he sees that he can kill him, even if it's not one of the four ways Bezdin executes, Shemer, it says, he has no blood, meaning you can kill him without a problem. Whether he tunnels in uh, to the house, you know, breaking in, whether it's through a tunnel or figuratively speaking, or in a different way, or he comes in from the roof, through the chimney, or he comes in through the yard, or through like his, um, his, his enclosed off area, also kind of, kind, of like, kind of like a yard. Or, sorry, night comes to the house through these ways. Either you catch him in the tunnel, breaking into the house, or you catch him on the roof, or you catch him in an enclosed yard that's, that's right next to the house where it's common for there to be people, right, as opposed to his barn, for example, as we'll see. Maybe about a day or night. Why does the Torah describe an example of breaking in or tunneling in through a, tunneling in, uh, to a house? Is the most common way for a person uh, to tunnel into the house. That's the common method of a ganav. Why did the terrorist say that his blood is permitted? You may kill the thief. Despite the fact he's only coming to steal. Stealing money is not a reason to kill someone in Torah. The Ram explains because the assumption is if the homeowner uh, tries to stop the Ganev, we can safely assume that the Ganev's intention is that if the homeowner does try to put up a fight, he'll kill him. So the assumption is is that the Ganev knows that this guy is not going to stand by and let, let him steal. He's going to uh, put up a fight. And the Ghanav's intention is if the homeowner puts up a fight, he will kill him. Of course, the Ghanav probably presumes, prefers not to have to get involved in the whole parsha, and he hopes that um, he hopes that he won't wake the guy up if it's light nighttime. Or he hopes the guy is not home in the daytime. Upon him, he uh, hopes not to get not to get caught, presumably. But he knows if he gets caught, then the assumption is the Ghanav has pl- plans to kill the homeowner if the homeowner catches him. So the person who enters the house to steal, essentially is considered like somebody who is trying to kill someone. Therefore, he has the right to be killed. So once you catch the Ganev, at that moment, you can assume the Ganev's intention is to kill the kill you, kill, kill, kill the homeowner. Therefore, the homeowner at that moment has encountered someone who intends to kill him. And the din is if someone is trying to kill you, you're supposed to kill him first. And the person tunneling in, whether he's an adult or a child, whether he is a male or female. Okay, now that's the working assumption. So the homeowner has the right, at the moment he catches the Ganev, to work with the assumption that the Ganev intends to kill him. Therefore, he is allowed, in fact, is supposed to kill the Ganev to protect himself. 
If, however, the homeowner can be absolutely certain that the Ganav intends not to kill him, does not intend to kill him, he only intends to come for money, and if, he, and if, there's, a, if there's a confrontation, the Ganav will run away, he's only coming for money, he's not allowed to kill him. If you do kill him, he's a great Hargnav, that's a murder. Shemrit says, if the sun shines upon him, what does that mean, if the sun shines upon him? It's figuratively speaking. If it's clear as this light of day, so to speak, that uh, that the, the Ganav is at peace with you, well, meaning he's at peace with you as far as not killing you is concerned, even though you're stealing, don't kill him. The Fichan, therefore. What's a typical example where, generally speaking, we can make the assumption that the, the, the Ganav will not commit murder? If a father is breaking into the house of his child to steal, Right, his son has a you know priceless uh, painting. And he wants to steal it from him. Ainega, the son catches the father. He's not allowed to kill him. The son must assume the father is not going to put up a fight to the death. He'll, he'll back down. this father will not kill his child. However, if it's the opposite, if the father catches his son stealing from him, then the uh, the father has the right to kill the son. The father has the right to assume the son may kill him if he puts up a fight. So. That the love of a father to a child is different than a child to the father. The Magamisha says that the Ram is giving examples over here that uh, that these are these are general assumptions and guidelines in the sense that if, however, the situation is that, that the son does believe his father would kill him, or if it's the opposite, if the, if the father believes the son would not kill him, again, these are all the halacha would change based on uh, the situation. So, any time the situation is the same. You, the person has has an obligation to use his judgment. Um, again, generally speaking, the homeowner has the right to assume the Ganav is going to try to kill him when he confronts him, unless he can be absolutely certain otherwise. Similarly, if the Ganav steals, he's already on his way out. So the confrontation happens when he's trying to leave. He did not steal yet. And the person finds him leaving from the, the tunnel that he dug, or leaving the house, right? He knows his back is to the owner. Since he's turned his back to the homeowner, so he's obviously in a vulnerable state, not in a, not in attacking mode. rate, if he's not pursuing the homeowner, his blood is accountable. In other words, you're not allowed to kill him. Similarly, if people or witnesses, I'm not sure whether Ramam gives two different examples, people are witnesses, unless he means, let's say, people like family members, or, or goyim, or, or, or uh, people who are, let's say, women who are not kashul edus, like upon him, he's been caught. Despite the fact he's still in the guy's house, his property, and now you can't kill him, because at this point, we assume the ganav is not going to put up a fight if he's confronted by the owner when he's stealing, because because uh, even though he's even though uh, he's caught red-handed taking the painting off the wall, uh, the fact that there are people observing him is going to prevent him from committing murder because he doesn't want to be tried and executed. Needless to say, once he's already caught and arrested, that he's not killed. Similarly, if a person tunnels or breaks in to a place where he does not assume that the owner is there, for example, his garden, his field, the barn, right, as opposed to his home, or his backyard, these are places where he's not planning on confronting the owner. He's obviously coming just to steal money. He's not planning on, on, on risking confronting the owner and killing him. Yeshadamim, again, his blood is forbidden. You cannot kill him. The assumption here is he only comes for monetary gain to steal. The owner is not usually found there. 
So today's day and age, a person breaks into a guy's mansion. He's in the, you know, in the in the, in the west wing of the house in the study, trying to steal priceless books. Lavdaf, you can kill him because who says he's expecting to encounter the homer there? Um, although that's a place where people are actually found. Maybe a better example is let's say his basement or a storage closet. Kapon, we have to know how to apply these halachas. Yud gimel kolaganav sheshadom. Any time the thief has blood, in other words, his blood is forbidden. You're not allowed to kill the thief. For example, he broke into the guy's barn. If it's Shabbos when he's trying to steal and an avalanche falls on him, so therefore his life is still uh, valid, right? You're not allowed to kill him. If you're not allowed to kill him, you're also not allowed, not, not allowed to let him die. If from a fachin love, you remove the stones that are covering him, even though it's mukta or better even though it's it's Shabbos, you're carrying for Amos or Shashab, perhaps, um, which is mashma that in the event that. Um, it's a Ganev who uh, broke into a house and the you know and the, and the avalanche or a house collapsed on him. Um, right. In other words, it sounds like from the Ramam that if if the guy breaks to the house on Shabbos, and it's a situation where if the owner confronts him, the owner is allowed to kill him. And while he's taking the painting off the wall, this price is painting off the wall. The, that that wing of the house collapsed on him. Then you don't. Uh, at that moment, he's chayiv misa for you know for, for putting himself in that situation. You don't um, uncover the you, you don't violate the, violate the Shabbos to uncover this guy who's buried on, under the rubble. That's his mashiv from the Rambam. Okay. Other others argue and say no that since he, once he's caught under the avalanche, there's no threat, so therefore you do save him. That's not mashiv. The Rambam holds that way. All right. Similarly, if this guy who's chayiv misa. While he's engaging in an activity like stealing from someone else's house, in their house, where he's technically speaking forfeiting his own life, at least risking forfeiting his life, because he's Chayev Misa, not in Bezin, but Chayev, you know, that he's allowed to let himself be killed, if he breaks anything in the house, Chayev the Shluman. Uh, pardon me, Pungfakert. If he's in a situation where he's not allowed to be killed, he's in the guy's barn stealing sheep. Then if he breaks anything, he, he's Chayev to pay for it. If, however, Somebody who ain't like Domin, that there's no problem to kill him because he's stealing from the ha- inside the house. There's a locha that a person is is obligated to two punishments, a small and a bigger one. He only gets the larger punishment. So here, he's technically speaking, theoretically, subject to the din of Misa. Therefore, Pater, he's Pater for anything he damaged. 